what church did you go to? Um, it was a university Bible fellowship. It was like a Christian evangelical ministry slash cult. <laughs> <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Actually, they were profiled on ABC. Like, and it was like, local this is a news in called. Chicago. They're taking your American children and, you know, brainwashing them in this Korean you know what church. I thought, I think Koreans just love Jesus because of the Korean War. Their hearts are broken from, you know, their families being torn apart. And when they saw Jesus, they were like, yes, that's why they crucified him because he was getting all the pussy. And they just broke it off. And he was like, but my grandma's birthday party is really, I think something's wrong. I'm like, something is wrong. You gotta go by yourself, okay? And he just would not stop crying in the closet for like 12 hours. And I felt super, super grateful after coming back from Korea. And my dad probably took me to sort of shop me around to find a husband. Because they did arrange marriages. No kidding. In so, the church. In the church. I can't so, believe you didn't have any taggers. Or did you? No, I, I don't think I did. Maybe you hadn't fully bloomed at 10. Yeah, but he was like hooking up. He was hooking up with his sister. So he was like, nobody was supposed to know. And it was embarrassing. I felt like I was like, being violated. Like, I'm not into this half human, half dog. Person. You're better than that. <laughs> these girls, they just get mounted by these dogs. It's almost like a routine. Like, they have sex. I bet you these girls who fuck dogs on camera are always fucking dogs off camera. Or like those girls who suck horse cock. Oh my god, no! Well, I didn't think that it was gonna blow up into that. Had I known that, I would have avoided it altogether. Because that was a really awkward position to be in. So you moved here 10 years ago? Yeah. And where you were in Chicago? I was in Boston. I was in Boston. Yeah? Is that where you grew up? No, I just started stand up in Boston. Hmm. And then I moved here, What's and I started like? selling cocaine here. No, you didn't. For like a day. Oh, okay. And then I what? mean, more than a day, like probably <laughs> five days. <laughs> now, how did you get into the cocaine business? I always thought it could be lucrative. Well, because I moved here, and uh, the company that I used to work for, I, I used to sell pens in Boston. Pens? Yeah. You're a pen salesperson. I was a, you know how they have those Red Bull girls? I was like one of these pen girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I uh, got laid off from my job, and uh, I moved to New York with this company car that they forgot to get from me. Wow. Yeah. So it's a you severe know, oversight, isn't it? Yeah. To me, I called it a souvenir. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, these corporations—they lose track. They lay off thirty, forty people on one day. You, you, you can't remember to collect all the costs. What's one car, more or less? Right. Was so it a nice car? What kind of car? It was a Chevy Equinox. That sounds like a great car. It was car. a brand new one. So it, I, I had this free car. Is in, it the hybrid? Uh, no, okay. it was just regular. Equinox so, sounds futuristic or something. It does, doesn't it? And so I moved here, and I had this free car, and I was collecting unemployment, and I was doing open mics, and I was like, what could I do with this free car? And I met this guy in a bar. And he told me that he sells Coke. And I was like, oh, I could help you. <laughs> I thought I you were going like, to say you traded your car for Coke. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I hate Coke. But you hate Coke? I hate, I hate doing it. I hate, you know, I don't like hanging out with people who are doing it. I think it makes people into assholes and it makes me too jittery and mm -hmm. I, don't, I can't sleep. And I, I don't ever do Coke, but... 
I met this guy. Well, then like, you're the perfect person to be in the Coke business. Exactly, yeah. right? I'm not going to eat up all my supplies. So, right. so then he, um, I go, well, I have a, I have a car. I could drive you around. And you know, how often do you meet a New Yorker with a car? I mean, one out of ten. Exactly. So anyway, so he goes, okay, sure, I'll pay you eighty bucks. So he paid me eighty bucks a day to drive him around, and I wanted to like go upstairs and deliver it. But well, I that's would, a bad idea. Why? Well, why why do you want to know who these people are? Because <laughs> it was like fancy buildings. It was like you know who who's who who is he selling coke to? Probably like rich white people. Yeah. You know. So I wanted to like see inside. Go look at the rich white people. Yeah, I wanted to see the inside of their apartment. It's like a rich white people zoo. So, um, but but no, it was like it was like easy money for like five days, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna keep doing this. No, no, why not? Did you did was there a close call or something? Did you have a? No, no. I, actually, I was probably like his best driver because who would pull me over to be like, let me search your car? I don't know. I mean, I, it's a good question. No, I mean like. Being like racially profiled, I get the opposite. People are like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> right. Nobody's ever searching my paraphernalia for drugs. Yeah, that's right. You, you don't look like a thug or something like that. You look no. <laughs> talking to Esther Koo, who looks, uh, you know, like uh, five foot what four maybe five five foot five and Asian Korean, <laughs> I believe. Yes. And um, let's see. And your age is, uh, you know, twenties, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> People don't really like to talk about that stuff. Hmm. Um, and you've been performing now in New York City for ten years, and before that, Boston. You got started. I, I never heard of anybody going to Boston to start. It's a destination. St- uh, oh, know. I know. You know what? I read in like a tourist book. It was like there was one sentence that just s- spoke to me, and it was like Boston has the best comedy scene. Has Boston has a burgeoning comedy scene where like the best comedians come from or something like that. But it was mm. a tourist book about Boston. Yeah. But when you're 19, you're like, oh, my God, I got to get to Boston if it, I want to be a comedian. I think that's, though, that's like a cut and paste sentence that you could put any. Yeah, even though I was from Chicago and I could have gone to like maybe Second City or done the whole stand-up circuit there. but The stand-up I, in Chicago is, is, is good. It's getting better, I think, isn't it? Yeah, there's tons of places to get up. Mm-hmm. So, But then I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to Boston. And I knew Conan was from there. I knew Stephen Wright was from there. So, yeah, so I, thought, many. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get myself to Boston. And uh, did you find yourself, like, when you got there, uh, easy to get on stage, hard to get on stage? Did you make friends quick? Um, you know, I did, yeah. Actually, I, I took a stand-up comedy class. Yes. Yeah. That's and, a great idea. People and, think it's such a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea because I needed that structure. That's exactly right. I That's needed what I somebody to force me to write five minutes mm-hmm. and to explain, you know, to give me a deadline. And our yeah. graduation show, like, our graduation show was awesome. It was like a sold-out house. Yeah. You know? The first time you're on stage, you don't want to play to five people in an open mic in Alston. At, Which most people do. You know? Yeah, their first time on stage is like a... Uh, Forgettable. My first time on stage was killer. I had a great time because it was yeah. class graduation. Right. You want your first time to be awesome. And you have a big build up for it. You know when it's going to be. Exactly. And you work on that material. And that's really all you know to do is to make up jokes. You don't really, it's funny. You don't really think about like, you know, it, it's later when you start going, who am I? What am I doing? What's my thing? You know? 
Yeah, but I remember Rick Jenkins, he uh, he's the owner of the comedy studio where I started. And he, after my first show, he was like, are you free Wednesday? You want to come by? And I was like jumping up and down like, oh, my God. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Like he owns a real comedy club and I got invited on Wednesday. Did he keep being supportive? Yeah, yeah. That's Actually, great. he lived in Somerville. He was a neighbor of mine. So I would like drive him home like oh, all the time. Man, that's a great inn. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and were you doing the music at that time or just the stand-up? No, just the stand-up. When did you pick that up? You know what? I did that when I did Howard Stern and I met Dan the Song Parody Man. And he writes all a lot of the uh, song parodies for Stern Show. Or he used to. And um, and I met him and he like taught me how to write parody songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I just love listening to oldies, so I'll just write songs to oldie songs. We taught you how. Um, it seems kind of... I would think sort of self-evident in a way because you're just all you got to do is rhyme and uh, make the words uh, sort of funny, right? Yeah, and, but... and, and in parody of you know either the style or the theme of the song. Right. Well, I guess I just like having teachers, maybe. No, I mean, right? <laughs> well, I'd be curious to see. Like, I I wonder like what what he shared with you is what I mean because maybe I've got it all wrong. Oh well, we would just write songs together, so it oh. just helped me sort of see the whole process right and he's the guy he's been he's the name and brand. he's just so quick yeah did you feel self-conscious singing in front of an audience well i grew up singing at church and playing music at church so any church. any people who like anybody who was like you shouldn't sing on stage i just didn't really think about it oh that's was right it, you've got a good voice right you know? yeah i do uh what church did you go to um, it was a university Bible fellowship. It was like a Christian evangelical ministry slash cult. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Actually, they were profiled on ABC, like the lo- local news in Chicago. And it was like, this is a religious cult. They're taking your American children and, you know, brainwashing them in this Korean church. And this is a y- regular young American softball player, Jim. And they were in his bedroom, like profiling. And I knew Jim. Like, oh, it was, okay. like, really crazy for us. Like, like when we were watching this on TV, I'm, like, in the church, like, hook, line, and sinker. Like, I grew up in it. And so I'm watching this going, wow, they told us that we would be persecuted, and here it is right before our <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's coming at some point with and, all cults. And they would be in his bedroom, like, you know, videotaping all the wrestling trophies he had won. He was an all-American, good-looking guy, blonde hair, blue-eyed type of guy mm-hmm. who got sucked into this Korean church in Chicago. Oh, my God. And so that's a great story for them. Yeah. They love that. They love, they love you know, some somebody like that getting involved with, you know, the wrong element. And he yeah, didn't have, he and sometimes I feel like, um, you know, people ask me, what cult did you grow up in? And uh, I'm always... and, and <laughs> People like, ask you that, huh? I want to be like the Moonies because they have a name brand, you know? Like, I feel like my career would be better if I grew up in a name brand cult. Yeah. And because, like, mine is like nobody's ever heard of it. Yeah, I would. I kind of got a culty vibe off of it when you used, like, four adjectives, uh, you know, in it. like. <laughs> But, like, yeah. anything with universal in it, I start to kind of raise an well, eyebrow. it wasn't universal. It was, it was university. Oh, yeah, university. Cause they That's would, odd. they would target college students. Okay. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. That so, makes it seem like it's a branch of the school or something. Like, going, right. do I get credit for this? <laughs> <laughs> and what was the, uh, did you have a charismatic leader? Yeah, yeah. He was really short. He was, like, five, one, or two, or something. Wow. And, but... He must have been very, very charismatic. But people just, like, everybody got married on his birthday. 
So every year there would be like eight, nine, ten couples a year getting married. And the whole church, everybody's fucking wedding anniversary was October 8th. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. And, and I like, mean, fucking talk about egomaniac, <laughs> right? I wonder how that got started. I mean, did he, did he suggest that? He probably just... He probably just threw it out there like a whim, like, do what I say and go take a bath and full of ice water because you, you know, sinned before God. And then he was probably just surprised that people were listening. And then, you know what it is? I thought, I think Koreans just love Jesus because of the Korean War. Their hearts are broken from, you know, their families being torn apart and being divided between the North and the South, that they just wanted an answer. And when they saw Jesus, they were like, yes, it's Jesus. Okay. Just Jesus was like right place, right time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's always there. (laughs) Like a good neighbor. Very similar to the State Farm Insurance Company. And you so you've never been to Korea or you have? No, I have. You have? And, yeah. Okay. When did you go? I went when I was ten, and then I also went uh, like five years ago. And uh, and it was there. it was crazy the change that had taken place, you know. Oh wait, what do you mean change that had taken place? You, did you? I mean, when I was ten, there weren't toilets. Like, if you had a Western style toilet, you were rich. Oh. And uh, and what was there instead? It was a hole. It was like stalls with holes in the ground, and you squat to pee or poo. Okay. I thought that was, like, because it's preferable because of the positioning no, of your body. No, because and it, was, uh, it was a poor country. <laughs> yeah. Like I wow, went, I bought When I went that. to Korea when I was 10, mm-hmm. I came back to the United States going, wow, thank God my parents moved here. I feel so lucky to be part of a civilized society. Like... Everything's all nice in America. We have nice things. And I felt super, super grateful yeah. after coming back from Korea. And uh, my brothers and sisters didn't go. It was just me that my dad took. Hmm. And my dad probably took me to sort of shop me around to find a husband. Because so, they did arrange marriages. No kidding. So In the church. In the church. So, but um, I can't believe you didn't have any taggers. Or did you? No, I, I don't think I did. Uh, unless they never told me or something. But Maybe you hadn't fully bloomed at 10. Right. I was so young. I was so awkward and I was super shy because I had never spent alone time with my dad before. And like I have four brothers and sisters. So it was always like a whole animal house full of craziness. Yeah. And then here I am just alone with the guy who hits me when I don't go to sleep early or, you know. So oh, yeah. The enforcer. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So You're um, like, there's another side to him. He, well, yeah. And so it was weird because I was like, what am I doing here? Um but then once I went back uh, a few years ago, just recently, it's crazy. Like the toilets now have buttons, waterfalls, and heated seats, lights, cameras. My God, <laughs> man, you, they yeah. shot right past us on that, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, and the Wi Fi in Korea, they have like f- super fast Wi Fi in the trains. Mm. It's not like here where it's a pain in the ass to get service anywhere. It feels like. Uh, a different century or something when you're down there sometimes. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's pretty amazing what they've done in a short amount of time. What's the uh, the subway system like there? Is it similar to Japan? Um, the subway system, I you know what? I'm not, I've never oh, been wait. to Japan. Oh, okay. Well, me neither, but I see them, like, is Japan the one where they have, like, the rods and they kind of, like, wedge people in because it's so crowded? Uh, yeah, it does get really crowded if you're in Seoul. Okay. By the way, they just impeached the president. Of Korea. They did. I just saw that on Twitter today. 
<laughs> Twitter's an amazing source for stuff like that, isn't it? You know, it's like you follow people and then yeah. the people tweet about these things. I heard you on the last uh, episode of uh, your podcast. What? I'm sorry, remind me of the name. Billy Corbin? Uh, no, no, your podcast. What's it called? Coup in the Gang. Coup in the Gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great title. Oh, thank you. And you have the same gang every week? Well, I mean, no, my gang changes up every week. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Rotate it. Yeah. And uh, you were talking about uh, Castro being dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is like, I, I, you seem pretty excited about it. <laughs> Did you? Were you a fan of his? No. No. But, like, I guess he's been sort of, like, out of the picture for a while, you know? Like, so it's, it's, it's as you explained it, it was more of a non-event for me. But. I think he was just, like, horrible to his people. And so I think it's understandable that people are happy that he's dead. I think know? so, too, yeah. I mean, well, suppose- it's good that these dictators die off, and we were waiting for Kim Jong-un to... Some, something to happen to, ha- to him, right? Well, uh, I mean, what could happen? He's like in his 30s, right? Yeah, he's so young. He's a chubby guy. But he's crazy. Yeah. And he's... we can send Dennis Rodman there because he loves Dennis. Wherever Dennis is, we're safe. Yeah. Like maybe Dennis Rodman should like go be South Korea's bodyguard <laughs> because people in South Korea live in daily fear that there could be a bomb going off. Now... I mean, why does he love Dennis Rodman so much? Can you maybe you could offer some insight or something? Because he loves the Bulls from the nineties. Mm, okay, yeah. So the thing about there North was a, Korea, I think there were another couple a, of big stars. They're a, <laughs> a couple decades behind North Korea. Oh, you know, so everything that was cool in the nineties, he loves. Oh wow, he's into like what nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, Melrose Place. Yeah, we should also say Shannon Doherty. And Brendan Walsh, you know, we should send them over. They, they should be the ambassadors to North Korea now. Sure. And Has Trump got, announced that yet? Uh, well, you know, Trump does have some good ideas. Trump's got a lot of uh, ideas about uh, appointing people and stuff. No, he hasn't announced that yet, though. I mean, it's not too far outside of the box for him, though. I don't think. Yeah, he might pick an entertainer, though. Margaret Cho. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You think he'd like racialize it like that? Like, <laughs> you look like you. I should go there. He didn't actually feed his uncle to the dogs, right? Or did he? Right. It's like you don't know what to believe mm-hmm. because maybe he just wants this out there. Maybe he wants people to just fear him. Mm-hmm. But Which I certainly would. He probably. I mean, he probably he probably does. You know, some of those things I think are are they seem really well. You know sourced and stuff like that but then yeah. i thought that i saw that that feeding the uncle to the dogs thing was a was a myth or something but it's um I how would, be- would i know i would believe it because koreans north or south they love um punishing people <laughs> like punishment is just part of the culture yeah like vendetta revenge all of that like if you ever watch korean movies that's that's like a running theme in a lot of korean movies like old boy is all about revenge. Uh, old boy. I know. I, I'm sure that's something I should know, but I don't. Oh, it's like one of the best films ever made. But it's a Korean movie. This, yeah, this guy gets revenge on a childhood enemy of his, and mm, like uh, a bully. Yeah, um, no, somebody who like saw him fondling, like he, he and his sister like hooked up, <laughs> and this guy walked in on the the classroom where they were hooking up, uh-huh. and he saw him, and then he decided to get revenge on him for the rest of his life. Wow. Yeah. He got revenge on just, the guy just for looking at him? And like put like kidnapped him and imprisoned him. But the guy just happened to walk in. 
Yeah, but he was like he hooking spread it up. around. He was hooking up with his sister, so he was like nobody it- was supposed to know, and it was embarrassing and shameful. <sighs> yeah, then you shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it's funny. But I'd have a hard time getting behind that hero because this guy could have been coming in to sweep up or something, you know? Yeah. Did he stay and watch or did he, no, like, and he didn't tell like, anybody? Right. He just. He it, kept it a secret. It was just this childhood memory that he had. He kept it a secret, right? Probably. But wow. then all of a sudden, this guy is drugged and he's put in practically a prison yeah. for years because of that. <laughs> wow. And One so thing. I, if, if that's what that, if that's what South Koreans are capable of doing, I'm sure North Koreans are capable of doing far worse. The people are afraid of him for sure. I had a, a Korean bodega owner when I was living in Astoria. You know who wasn't afraid of him? Seth Rogen and um, what's his name? James uh, Franco. Yeah, but uh, who why? made the interview? I was worried about them. Uh, come on. I was like, oh my god, we're gonna find them dead somewhere, like in their hotel room. It was, I mean, it was exciting. It wasn't there, they were going to not release it for a second? Or was, do you think that was just all publicity or what? No, no. no I think that real. was definitely real. Hmm. Did you see the movie? Yeah. I, I, I auditioned I, for the movie. And here's how big of an idiot I am. I didn't even use an accent. <laughs> I just like, I just read the lines like uh, regular English. <laughs> And then once I saw the movie, I was like, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. Oh, yeah, you're in Korea. Yeah. Being Korean. Yeah. Two different things. How's the food in Korea? Is it the same here? How do we Americanize it? Because I know we're cooking things on the table here. Do they do that there? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, you have, you've had Korean food here? All I've had is the Korean, like, barbecue. barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. It's, it's why um, I'm only a part-time vegan, because I can't give up the short ribs. <laughs> it's called kalbi, and mm. it's delicious. It's mm. like these short ribs that are doused in brown sugar and soy sauce and sesame oil. And it's just, they season it and marinate it, mm-hmm. and it's so sweet and tender. Yeah, tender is the important thing. And yeah. where do, where's the best place in New York to get, in New York to get those? Um, you know, if you just go in Koreatown uh, okay. on 32nd Street between 6th and 5th, mm-hmm. it's literally one block. That is a really neat place. Yeah. That's such a neat block. Yeah. It's, it's, and sort of surrounding, you It's know? super busy, and there's always, like, Korean girls all decked out going karaoke. Yeah. Everybody's dressed, and it looks clean. It's so clean for me. Oh, you, know you think I mean? it's clean? That part of the city seems so clean. And really? the signs and shit are so new and bright. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Seoul is like. Mm-hmm. And they love stacking things on top of each other, like second, third floor. Mm-hmm. That's how Korea is. Because it's such a small country, it's kind of like Amsterdam where everything, all the shops are little. Mm-hmm. And so people get really creative with their spaces. It's cute. Yeah. You mean like uh, living spaces and stuff? Yeah, like or shops or restaurants or bars. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a cute place. Yeah, that's kind of like what my wife and I do, Mandy Stadmiller. We live in a, a very small place, and we have to put up a curtain just so we don't have to look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Madly in love, you know what I mean? But just, God, it's weird, you know? Oh, man. Can't leave the room. Uh, yeah. it's And knowing she's in the place, is it's like bad enough, you know? It's like I just want it to be still. Uh-huh. And I can't do it, you know? And she's, I mean, you, no matter how still she's being, it's like I can hear her yeah, just being Yeah, you're like, honey, we're going to do the mannequin challenge every day. <laughs> Stop it wouldn't moving. Matter. It's, I can hear her heart beating. That's what it feels like. It doesn't matter. You know when somebody's in the room. When somebody's around, yeah, exactly. It's just, you can't, it's not like being alone. Man, I love, I would love to be alone for about 
12 hours. Well, don't have kids. You're never going to be alone then. I mean, we're not going to do that. Come on. You're not going to do that? No. Okay, good. What, are you thinking about that someday? No. No. It's just the worst. No. Are you kidding me? Your whole life becomes picking them up from school and dropping them off. And and, Oh, Jesus Christ. You're talking about, you're skipping all kinds of stages. Terrible right there. Getting up in the middle of the night, the crying, the, 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 you know, I don't even meant, why mention diapers? That's the least of your worries, you know what I mean? If it was just diapers, You oh know, when I, moved, when I lived in Queens, my apartment got broken into. If you really? want to talk about crime. Where in Queens? I was in Astoria okay. living on the second floor. And, and like, how, what was your stop? Um, it was Astoria Boulevard. So um, it was like four in the morning, and my roommate had her window open. And we didn't have, like, bars on our windows. Hmm. And, the, and you're on the third floor. We were on the second floor. Second floor. And uh, outside of the window is the roof of another building. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so we had no bars. She had her window open and her lights on, but she had passed out. And all of a sudden, we hear a scream. And... We run to her room, my other roommate roommate and I, yeah, we run to her room, and we're like, what happened? And she was like, there's a guy who just was, he was, like, looking at me, and he, like, touched me. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he got in super easily, because he sees this girl in a room, brightly lit, you know? Sure. And the window was already propped open. (laughs) So he broke in, but... It's like a display case, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's (laughs) it's like a smash and grab. (laughs) A smash and grab. So, but she was super Christian. Now, where did he touch her? Well, that's what happened. When we called the cops, right? And the cops were asking her, where did he touch you? And she goes, you know, in my private parts. Because she's super Christian. Oh, my God. That's, That's sweet. And the cops were like, well, you have to tell us, like, where? But she probably has never said the like, word vagina my cunt. before. He touched me in my cunt. Yeah. <laughs> and so she couldn't even say it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened. Maybe they had her circle on, like, a body drawing, like, show us where now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was like a doll. Yeah. Show, yeah. Uh, show, so. show me on my dick and balls where the bad man touched you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a thing that happens all the time. People climbing into windows of the West Village, it happened. And then there's one in the Bronx that I'm trying to find here. Uh, he climbed into her kitchen window, and uh, when he when he got inside, and she was way up. I think she was on like the fifth floor. Uh huh. And he uh, he he didn't. Uh, here we go, right here. I'll just read it for you. All right. So a man is accused of breaking into a woman's apartment in the Bronx, forcing her to perform a sex act on him. According to police, the suspect broke into the woman's Taylor Avenue apartment by climbing up a fire escape and entering through the kitchen window around one thirty in the morning. And once inside, uh, police say the man encountered this woman um, and, f- and forced her to touch. <laughs> forced her to t- I'm sorry, I ran out of... Uh, I, I just now pulled up on the computer, and that's like the end. It's a forced her to touch, dot, dot, dot. And it just <laughs> went away. you want to find out, touch what? <laughs> I got to create an account. No, come on, man, that story's common. I'll find it. I'll find it someplace else. Um, she, I, she forced her to touch him while he masturbated is what it was. He jerked off. Uh-huh. He climbed all the way up there to jerk off. It's, That's... Probably, it's probably somebody we know. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who I, do you think it was? <laughs> I mean, Mike, Mike Figgs. Do you know him? <laughs> he lives in the Bronx. I don't know a lot of people that live in the Bronx, and I don't know that he could climb up a fire escape. Uh, it's in, but as soon as he was done, he left. The guy. He didn't hurt her or anything. Well, he came? <laughs> what do you mean when he was done? Well, it, it, they didn't specifically say if he came. 
But I'm sure, I would assume he what did. What kind of reporter is reporting on this shit? I mean, <laughs> that would be the first thing I would ask. Yeah. If I'm t- talking to the woman, right. did the he guy leave, jerked off. Huh? Did he leave evidence? If he jerked off, you can collect his DNA. Can't you do, can you like run a little diagnostics test on that? Yeah. And you figure out who it was? If the guy has a some sort of a, you know, a record of his DNA, uh, stuff like that, sure. But if he's no, he probably has a record though. That's, that doesn't seem like a first crime. If he's never donated sperm? He, you know, he, I, I mean, doubt like, it. Doubt he's a if, sperm donor. If he, if although he'd make a great, uh, you know, the, I'm sure genetic material is incredible. There. <laughs> sounds, but if if he's ever been fingerprinted at a police station, would the test on his sperm would that show up connected to his fingerprints? Hmm. Well, wait. Run that past me again. I don't, I don't know if I understood what you said. If he's ever been like checked into a police station, if, if checked ha- in like arrested, if they have fingerprints on him, like booked, and this woman brought in his sperm sample mm-hmm. would they be able to trace him through his fingerprints no <laughs> i don't think so no that <laughs> this weed i'm smoking is just really good yeah i mean it, you would think that they would maybe just make everybody give a sample or something but it's probably against some kind of uh, constitutional thing or something yeah did you want to talk about stop and frisk no no i'll tell you something here's here's my one thing about it that i that i've wondered now they Said it would the, the the application of it was unconstitutional here because it was along racial lines, uh-huh. and they basically. I, I believe that because I've never been stopped and frisked. Yeah. So they're racist against Asians. They think we can't be criminals. <laughs> you know, you're you're close, uh, but I don't think they. <laughs> I think what it is, the reason you've never been stopped and frisked is you're a woman, and they've stopped and frisked zero women. They don't even so to me. Well, You're I should have been selling drugs this whole time. But aren't you profiling men that way? You know, I mean, that, that seems unfair. If you're going, if you're going to say, well, you have to do it by the percentage of the population. That's what they did. You know, like like blacks only make up twenty five percent of the population, but maybe you know fifty five percent of the stop and frisk or whatever whatever the numbers were. Then they say that you should do it along those lines. You know, and, and always keep that kind of balance. Mm-hmm. But there's no women, and wow. the women are half the fucking population. Wow. So that's. And we have no, more places to hide stuff. Like you nicer just, bodies that like people want to touch you and just frisk. Stuff things in your in your garter belt, in your bra. Mm-hmm. There's like we have more pockets. We have purses. We have a reason to be carrying a purse. A guy carrying a man bag, it's already suspicious. It's like, why does he need a man bag? He don't yeah. look gay. Let me stop and frisk him. Yeah, exactly. Let me find out what this guy's deal is. He says he's, he's probably stole so that from some gay racist, guy. <laughs> but it's also very sexist. It is sexist. Uh, I don't know that it's racist. I mean, like, it's, uh, I think when you, the calls that they answer, it's a simple explanation, um, are in, you know, uh, areas of high crime, which are areas uh, where it's highly concentrated with, uh, you know, uh, blacks and Latinos. I mean, that's factual. It sounds, sometimes you say facts and they sound racist, but that is the truth. Like in uh, the Bronx or uh, in East Harlem or you know like wherever they East New York and Brooklyn. <laughs> well, it's just that they're not there. I mean, like you could go and like uh, round up you know a bunch of Upper East Side Jews and stop and frisk them. What and, are you gonna find? Yarmulkes. <laughs> find you know some sh- I don't know what I, I some wish loose I, change. Yeah, ketchup I mean, packets. Yeah, I mean I don't know what Jews have. I like Jews. Do you like Jews? You don't have to act like you like Jews on air. Well, yes, I After do. After what you told me no. before you pressed record, Pat <laughs> Please Dixon. don't say that. I tell you. 
You know, it's like, uh, you have to be careful these days. I mean, like, I don't really mind if people think that I am actually racist. I just don't want them to think I'm more racist than I actually am. Oh, isn't that nice? I think, I just want to, I want to be, you know, recognized for exactly where I'm at. And you're pretty politically incorrect, right? Yeah. I mean, you tended to be that way always. You're not afraid. Right, it's almost hurt my career. I need to, like, learn how to just be regular, you know? I don't think you can do it because I think that you just are, like, uh, <laughs> I just don't, I think that when you are somebody who does and says what you want yeah. and that's what you do, then you get addicted to that and you can't do it another way. What? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. That's my, I mean, that's what I, that's how I feel. I couldn't now. I mean, like, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, th I, I'm, it's over for me, but, you know, I mean, like you, there's hope. Maybe you should give it a shot. Right, I mean, well, like you're like it's like for me, my act, like it's obvious from my act, it wasn't designed to be like, let me just. It wasn't my number one objective wasn't let me go make money, and some people's acts are designed that way. They are highly non-offensive. Mm -hmm. It's very clean, safe material that they could do at a corporation on a cruise or at a comedy club, now, and here, it works for all three of them. Here's my question, I would, I, and, I, and I know you have more to say on that, but like. Just to, to break in, do you think that that's by design, or do you think that is like just what they think is funny, or to or the, they're, they're just, writing to the best of their just, ability, or they're just more clean cut people? That's what I mean. You yeah, know, like my mind is always in the gutter, just naturally. <laughs> well, that's I think probably most people's are even even if they're clean cut. I, I have a hard time believing that it's not like a, some people. Some people I have on my podcast uh -huh. who are super clean cut, and like and I bring up like poo with them, and they just get uncomfortable. They're just. They're just built more clean cut than I am. Any adult should be pretty comfortable with this whole poo thing by now. No, but they're not. <laughs> Some people are not. In it what context them... are you talking about poo it that makes... makes people uncomfortable? I ask them what their poo looks like, and they're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't look at it. That's right. That's right. You do that on your show. Yeah. You ask people to describe their bowel movements. And, and some people, it catches them off guard, and they don't. They get uh, really weirded out. So I, now I know to save it till the end if it's not somebody who... <laughs> who yeah exactly that you're sure about right yeah and you already know about do you ask people like who recur as guests you know to like update you on the latest poo sometimes i'll forget because i'm high a lot of the time yeah you're, yeah. you're so high you forgot to ask about what yeah. the turds look like yeah then i get email complaints you forgot to ask him about his poo <laughs> <laughs> well i heard that you uh that you have another thing that you do at the end of your show is that true <laughs> Well, I used to. Oh, you stopped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you? You did. I stopped and frisked. Now listen. I mean, <laughs> I'll edit it out if you want me to. But did you? Were you actually doing that? You couldn't have been. <laughs> no way. Why do? Why is that the number one question? People email me. They're like, they're like, hey, I was jerking off to it, but before I jerk off one more time to it, w w is that real or am I just? Are you just fooling? You know, like people felt foolish jerking off to it just in case it was fake, which I thought was hilarious. Like, well, who cares if it's fake? Yeah. Well, I care. I would care. Yeah, for sure. I'd feel foolish jerking off to it if it was real. I've never jerked off to an audio thing before. Yeah, I'm creating that, a new genre. Yeah. Audio porn. Mm-hmm. You know, I know somebody who could have done that. Uh, an ex that I had, I dated her for a few years. It was a long distance, not a few years, but a year and a half. Long distance relationship. She was in the South. I was up here. And it was just, I've never. It's she that, just had a sensual voice. She had a talent, yeah. She had, and, yeah. And, and you know what she ended up doing after we broke up? She, she started working with the uh, local uh, law enforcement 
to be one of those like uh, the honey trap people, oh, wow. and and she'd be on the phone with them saying she's thirteen and you know all the shit she wants to do, and <gasps> they had so many arrests wow. based on her because she was just like money in the bank, you know. Wow. Yeah. So I think that that's probably maybe you should consider that maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I should, right? Like, what's what's that guy's name? Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen comes, yeah. And yeah. It, it when it, I don't know about that shit. It's kind of like entrapment, really. Oh my god! Now you're sounding like a pedophile. Why? Because these guys were showing up to go have sex with these thirteen-year-old girls. I'm talking about the law. I'm saying that, um, you know, if if that guy hadn't have like come across this like wildly like you know. I mean, super, like, uh, seductive kind of, you know, situation and stuff, then he wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be here without you being here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that it seems kind of, uh, you know, you you sound like a pedophile apologist or something like that. I have yeah. no sympathy for pedophiles. It just seems... <laughs> It just seems like maybe you're getting a dumb isn't guy. That, isn't that your nonprofit like, organization? That's Gavin McKinnis said that. <laughs> What's that, sympathy for pedophiles? Yeah. yeah. Oh, why not? Do you know Gavin? You ever been on his show? Uh, I saw Gavin McGinnis's penis yesterday. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you have been on the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Kumia's show. Oh. And he showed up clearing our table of, with the beer, empty beer bottles naked. Oh, boy. Yeah. Man, I, I, you know what? I, I have a feeling he wouldn't have been doing that if you weren't here. That's the <laughs> same thing. It's entrapment. Yeah. It's your fault. I uh, should have walked out. Did you? At that uh, moment. Did did you? He's uncircumcised. Does that bother you? Um, I mean, it bothered me that he ran in here naked. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this one here. Here's something. Now, the pit bull that saved a teenager from being raped in a Brooklyn park last month, getting a hero's thank you from local animal enthusiasts. How about that? A wow. pit bull's power and being pit, used for pit good. Pit bulls sometimes get bad reps. They always, yeah, and and rightfully so. I mean, they are vicious, uh, just uh, destructive you know, I was, animals. I was Danny Lobel's neighbor. He had a pit bull in Brooklyn. He seems like just the type. Oh, yes. Yeah, and uh, uh, they they really there was one that got shot by the cops and lived. It bounced off his skull. Jesus, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. This is Maya Fairweather, eighteen. She was talking to the pooch Apollo. Apollo is the, the dog's name. Her boyfriend's playful new puppy. She was talking to the pooch, and uh, and and they went, they were on a walk, I guess, in Red Hook, Red, Red Hook Recreation Park. I'm really on tonight, Esther. Uh, the five-month-old Apollo uh, gets involved here because a man grabbed her jacket, pushed her to the ground, tried to pull off her pants. I can't imagine uh, what a fucking idiot would attack a woman with a pit bull. When it, she's walking a fucking pit bull. Oh, that was her pit bull? Yeah, or it's her boyfriend's, and she's walking it, what? talking to the pooch. It's her boyfriend's playful new puppy, and uh, she was taking it for a walk in the Red Hook Recreation Park, and it was around 10 o'clock at night. A man grabbed her by the jacket, pushed her to the ground, and tried to pull off her pants. Oh, my God. And the five-month-old Apollo then chomped so hard on the attacker's leg the man had to struggle to shake him off and eventually fled. Yeah, you, it's hard to keep an erection through, you know, having your leg bitten by a dog. Unless you're into that, I guess. I'm sure guys are into that. I would not be into that. I mean, that's, Do you watch <laughs> dog porn? I've never seen any. Oh, my God. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> 
these girls, they just get mounted by these dogs. It's it sounds just, disgusting, yeah. And they have sex. It's almost like a routine. Like they have sex. I bet you these girls who fuck dogs on camera are always fucking dogs off camera. I would think. I mean, like I, you know what they're doing off camera, I bet, is all the drugs that they're fucking those dogs for. Because you have to be a drug addict or have a great deal of debt. I don't think, uh, I could be wrong, but I, I can't imagine any other reason to sink to that level. They just have a dog fetish. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you think it's real. Oh, oh, it's not real? I mean, it's real, but the, but they're not, I don't think the woman's into it. Or like those girls who suck horse cock. Have you seen those? I, you see, I know those things exist, but I, I treat it like the beheading videos. I just don't want to see. Oh, it. I don't watch beheadings, but I will watch. Some woman suck a, a horse's porn. cock. <laughs> just because it's so fascinating, and they're they're pretty girls, like very pretty. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a link. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> please do. I'm sure that she, I, I'm sure she's out of the dogs league to say the least, right? Now, I've, I've heard of women who have a dog and they let it lick their pussy. And that seems like something I could see how that could get started. Uh, fucking letting a dog fuck you is. Uh, and and the, the dog, they'd have smallish dicks, right? No, I've gone out with guys who have dogs and I didn't like it, man. It would feel like I'm in a threesome. The dog would come in and start licking my feet. Uh. And while you're in the middle of having sex, you don't want to stop to be like, kicking the dog out of the room. Yeah, you should, though. But you should. Yeah, it's because it's, it, it's on your mind. It's like, uh, I felt like I was, like, being violated. Like, I'm not into this, you know, yeah, half-human, half-dog threesome. <laughs> You're what better than that. You're better than that. I, the guy should, you should shut the door. I don't want, I, I feel exactly the same yeah, way. People are these, too inclusive with their but pets. The, but these guys, they would love their pets more than anything. Like, mm. I, I would never be able to be number one. Like, these guys who, like, love their dogs and don't mind it when... They they probably know when the dogs should come in while they're having sex with the girls. Yeah, they probably have a signal that they've worked out ahead of time. Yeah, they probably have a schedule, you know, and they email their dog, their Google Calendar or whatever. A dog whistle of some sort, and they come in, and now... I'm sure that you can remember, what were a couple of these breeds? I'm wondering, what kind of dogs are these guys getting into? I don't know. They were just bigger dogs. They weren't, like, tiny ones. Oh, I see. Like a German Shepherd and big stuff like that? I mean, not that big. Mm-hmm. Maybe medium-sized dogs. Okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. A dog is a dog. You know, Jay, uh, Jay Okerson has that bit about that, where a dog comes in and starts kind of, like, getting involved uh-huh. with the sax thing. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I think I have. That's a... Uh, but with you, you're lucky. You got off just <laughs> having your toes licked. I think this is nuts. I, I, I think that, uh, I guess she had it on a leash and everything, so it's like she they shouldn't charge her. You know? I mean, maybe, she, I don't know. Maybe Why they should. Why they charge her? She was the one getting raped, right? Yeah, but I mean, the dog bit the guy. and you know, the Dogs are not supposed to bite people. Well, unless their owner's getting raped. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's written anywhere. Or getting attacked. I mean, uh... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think you'd have to charge them, charge this person with like. I think the dog should have very at the very least be put down. <gasps> what the yes. dog was helping her? The dog attacked somebody. He chomped down on somebody's leg. But didn't the not... attacker pull down her pants? Well, what if, um, you know, the dog instead of licking your feet would have bitten into your leg? Wouldn't you want you know that to be not okay? It's... And you guys were doing the exact same thing. 
but I to was, the appearance of the dog. Well, he pulled his own pants down. I didn't pull his pants down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's one so distinction. There would, be, there would be no reason but, for the dog to attack But the dog me. didn't know that. He wasn't in the room when that happened. Right. He came in later. Well, you could see that we were he getting, joined already in that progress. That we were getting along just fine. <laughs> just fine. Well, I, if you're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, uh, it says, unfortunately, pit bulls are terribly discriminated against, and the dog acted in self-defense. He saved this young girl from being sexually assaulted. That, in my mind, is a hero dog. We want to celebrate this dog. I can't believe it. It's like a topsy-turvy world. That dog is a menace. I hope that, uh, I hope that, now, of course, sometimes they will uh, take care of dogs like that. There was one that, it was well, on those trial. Are the, those are the ones um, that they charge the most for in the Korean restaurants. <laughs> the ones What's that the were most? saving saving women's lives because Koreans are extremely sexist. Hero dogs, <laughs> right. What's the most uh, exotic meat you've ever had? Um... Not I don't, I'm not I don't get too exotic with my meat. Okay. Yeah. That's right, because you're you're sort of vegan, and then every once in a while some ribs. Yeah. Do you like those banchan wings? Oh, I love those. Those are great. That's I I could get. I There's mean, a restaurant called Turntable Mad for Chicken. They have the best chicken, way better than banchan. Really? Yeah. Where's that? It's on Fifth Avenue. Oh, it's here. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it might be in L.A. No. Turntable Mad for Chicken. Turntable Mad for Chicken. They have like um. <laughs> So- soy garlic chicken wings. Yes, that's and they the- deep fry them, and they just glaze this delicious flavor on it. Oh my god! You have to wait like forty minutes for them to cook, and probably forty minutes for a table, but it's worth it. Yeah, well, we, I, I like waiting a long time when the food's really good. It actually enhances it. All right, now to the forgotten borough to ponder the peculiar crimes of mysterious Caucasian island. We go to a neighborhood, the South Shore of Shaolin. One of the first permanent settlements on Staten Island. This is a crime we, where we go back in history a little bit to understand everything that led up to it. Now, this uh, place in Staten Island is named after a French Protestants who settled there in the 17th century. Huguenots. Are you familiar? No. Well, we're about to learn about Huguenots. They were fleeing persecution in Catholic-dominated France. See, that's how, that's how afraid the Huguenots were of Catholics. They that's left how, France that's and how settled evil in. Catholic people are. And they chased them all the way to Staten Island. <laughs> They're like, this is where we'll go. Yeah, Catholics are evil. In the 16th century, there are about 2 million Huguenots living mostly in the southern and western parts of France. It sounds like uh, an ingredient in a chocolate bar. <laughs> Huguenots. Huguenots. A tension between the French Protestants and the Crown led to a series of conflicts known as the French Wars of Religion. And um, those conflicts ended with the Edict of Nantes. I'll tell you what that was. They got substantial religious, political, military autonomy. There's a period of peace. And then when Henry the Fourth was stabbed to death by a Catholic what? You extremist. You never hear about the 4th. You only hear about the... <laughs> the 8th. The 8th. He was about half as bad as the 8th. Uh, now, his son, Louis, uh, then became king. Uh, Louis the what? Louis. Uh, he, he would be Louis X, and he was 10 years old. And his mom had to be the uh, what, regent for a while. I just want to know whose mom stopped the Louis the whatever. You know, how? what number did the Louises go up to? Oh. Like 15, 16, <laughs> and then finally like, there was one mom who was like, you know what, fuck this. Yeah. At 13, this guy was ready to be king and, and uh, ended his mom's regency technically, but then she stayed and she kept ruling anyway. So not only did she do that, but she also used to beat him. She had him whipped into his teens. This is the king, the man who would be king. So when the Grand Falconer of France, Charles d'Albert, suggested that Louis should oppose his mother, no one had to twist his arm. And then after the coup, his mother was sent into exile 
They assassinated her head advisor, and then they tried his wife for witchcraft. She was condemned, beheaded, and burned. That's the way you take over a government. Wow. Yeah, fucking scorched earth. He told uh, Carlo he was out of the family, and he's sending him to Vegas, and then Clemenza strangled him with a garret, kicked the windshield and everything. All right, so that was the start of Louis X's rule, and I promise you this becomes fascinating. He was 17 years old. He was a man of few words, uh, probably because of his extreme congenital speech impediment, this king. And uh, there's a description of the king, and this is from a guy. He's the actual first... Uh, First Baron Herbert of Cherbury. <laughs> wow. History's weird as fuck. His words were never many as being so extreme a stutterer that he would sometimes hold his tongue out of his mouth a good while before he could speak so much as one <laughs> word. That is so cute. Yeah. What a handicap to have. Yeah, like a resting retard face. Like Rich Voss. I want to re- <laughs> retard's resting. Don't rouse him. That's uh, He doesn't even need to audition for that role, Rich. Yeah. Mm. He had... Uh, uh, don't start shit here like you did over at... Uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> I That was accidental shit. I wasn't... Esther, I don't believe that you know, at all. You know my... You knew exactly what you were doing. You oh, had to. You knew God. exactly what you were doing. You're not... You're smart. You're, you know... <laughs> you, you, come on. I heard that happening, and I was like, she is loving this. And then as soon as that shit started, you're just like, I'll be over here. Oh, my God. You got clear out of the way. Oh, my God. No. Well, I didn't think that it was going to blow up into that. Had I known that, I would have avoided it altogether. Right. Because that was a really awkward position to be in. Okay. But, you, but you're saying you were I, slipping I, in the I'm needle saying, a little. I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I'm a comedian. I can't help it. It's just innate in my nature to like be playful with someone. And, and be like, just, oh, I had a great time little, with Anthony. It was great. Jib jabs here and there, you know? <laughs> Come on. That's, to this radio that's legend. The, that's the culture of the whole ONA world, isn't it? Well, it's, it is it is in, in spirit, but it's not because you were sideways about it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, I, if you uh, if you would have said, oh, it was great, not like here, which kind of sucks, dude. That's more like what I think of as like an ONA kind of a thing. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my God. You're going to get all technical on me? Not at all. I mean, you just did it the girl way. And I think that it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It's funny that anybody thinks like that you were like, oops. <laughs> I mean, it's so clearly, and he just. I don't know. I've never listened to the fight. You've never listened to it? No, because, uh, yeah, because I just recoiled. Like when he was like, when they were like, you know, fighting, it just brought me back to like my childhood. Because I'm like, how. When's the last time I was stuck in between somebody's fight like that? Sure, you know? sure. It, it had been a really long time, so I just retreated back into like, you know, this regressive state. Of, back what you used to state of mind. Do back when, when my parents were fighting. Yeah, and I I was helpless. And you climb into a cupboard or something. Yeah. A drawer. So, Did you just get into a drawer? I don't want to like. No. <laughs> what do you think? This is a Seinfeld episode where the Asians sleep in the drawers? No, I don't think that. I think it's real life where you could fit into a drawer, and if you're afraid. <laughs> I, my parents used to fight sometimes. With my, they usually didn't fight. It was just tense. It was all pre-fight. Oh. The pre-fight went on for years. Oh, okay. Boy, that's rough. That's awkward, too. That's, yeah, and nobody's talking to anybody. Uh, well, when your parents would fight. And you're the youngest, is that right? I'm the second oldest. You're the second oldest. That's, yeah. not, that's not distinguished at all. Just somewhere in the middle, kind of. Well, you're the middle child before your fourth sibling is born. Yep. So you're, you're the kind of like the forgotten one. And then, uh, you know, five years later, my little brother came, mm-hmm. and then my little sister came. So I just became, like, the mother, the, the second mother. And did how, how much older is your next sibling up? 
Uh, two years older. And a brother or sister? A brother. Okay, so you got well, the oldest the brother, and did he, is he protective? Or no. was he? No, the opposite. <laughs> he pimped you out? Yeah, uh, no, I mean, like, he would, uh, he would just, like, he would be part of the problem. He would mimic my dad's behavior of being violent and, oh, yeah. you know, being, like, acting like a dictator in the house, sort of. Right, yeah. I, did you always feel like you were about to be in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. how I always feel living with my wife. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. There's a way out. <laughs> she gets very, you know what? And that, here's the thing. I don't want to hear anybody complain about their girlfriend, right? Because you can just leave. Just stop. And 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 I, I can't advise anybody on their girlfriend. You know what I mean? But what, a what marriage I, situation is more difficult to get out of. It's more a long-term. You're, you're in it for life. You're done. Well. I mean, that's in theory, you know. Yeah. And so, uh. But you can still walk out. You can, I mean, this is my third fucking wife. But, you know, like, I know that it's possible to, to bust out. But I think my point is that, Wait, this like... this is your third wife? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, we've never talked, yeah. I got married when I was eight, uh, 20. Jesus The, the day Christ. she turned 18, yes. No kids or anything. Oh, my God. Like I was... Like I was waiting outside of an Apple store or something, you know, for the new Why do you keep getting married if you don't I want just to have love kids? it. <laughs> What's the point of getting married? Well, you fall in love and then you like stay with somebody, uh, and then like you just kinda do it as like a uh, next step. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was the first couple of times. It wasn't like that with this one. This one, Mandy, we met in, we had our first date in February mm-hmm. and we got married in November. Oh, my God. You yeah. guys are crazy. We are perfect for each other. She's a very, very fucking high-level person. I mean, like, she's a she's a winner. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Just she's a fucking winner. She's intelligent. She's super articulate. Yeah, you know her? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Uh, she's, yeah, exactly. She's very articulate. Yeah. And her smile is one of those, like, fucking light-up-the-room kind of smiles. So, I mean, I dated women for three, four years. I've loved them and shit, but I, didn't, I told them I will never marry you. But mm-hmm. prior to this, so it wasn't just about getting married. That's for sure. It's not like a fetish. It's not like something you enjoy. You know, yeah. it's not like a, one of those criminals. It's like I can't make it on the outside. It's not because like, I was having it's a good like time. Not like my friend Katya in college. She would have books in her dorm room. Like, how do you get a guy to marry you in thirty days or something? I heard about some shit with that. Like we would always like laugh at her. Like, why do you want to get married? First of all, you're an engineer. You're so fucking smart. You're Russian. You're beautiful and have a amazing sexy accent. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you're like super hot shit. You know? Yeah. And she what was wanted. She, she just wanted some guy to marry her um, like, why are you studying engineering <laughs> wasting your time like, i guess guys, guys don't like smart plan. girls get I'm, rid of that degree she uh it sounds to me like she took an approach to getting married the same way she did to like if she's an engineer she has a mathematical mind oh yeah yeah she would research how to how to get a husband in 30 days yeah someone told me they had a book like that and the, that they were seeing a guy and then stopped seeing him and the guy killed himself well you can't be held responsible i mean who's what the author or the woman? The the guy who <laughs> killed himself. People who threaten to kill themselves—it's a power move. Right. I never fall for it. Yeah. 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 You never have. No. Good for you. I did. I mean, I've never killed myself. Have you? Of course. Uh, of course, I haven't killed myself. But I've been with people who, you know, talked about killing themselves. Yeah. When you break up with them and they start crying in a in their in your closet for like twelve hours and don't come out. You're like, Whoa. I'm still not going to get back with you. Someone climbed into your closet for real? Or are you joking with me? No, no, no. For real. <laughs> That's crazy. Guy, I know. Tell me the story. Well, I was going out with this guy in Boston, and I broke up with him. We were living together. It was the first boyfriend I lived with. 
and we lived together, and things just got, like, out of control. He was just, like, really, he would just yell at me for stuff. How long had you been dating? Two years. Okay. And, uh, and I just broke it off, and he was like, but my grandma's birthday party is next week, and they love you, and if I don't bring you, they're going to think something's wrong. I'm like, something is wrong. You got to go by yourself, okay? Like, man up. Wow. That's a guy who doesn't get it. And he just would not stop crying in the closet for like 12 hours. That is a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah. What a dick. But like we were living with his friend. So we had, his friend was our roommate. Mm-hmm. And his friend is the one who actually told me like, hey, that w- that fight was not cool. Like, what the f- hell is he thinking? Oh, about being in the closet and stuff? No, no, no. Just just in general, whatever we were fi- we had been fighting about at the time. Okay, I see. So I'm just like, man, if his friend is telling me that I'm being mistreated, I must be being mistreated. Unless he's trying to fuck you. No, he wasn't yeah. trying to fuck me. I'm willing to believe that. I mean, I'm willing to believe the fight was fucked up, too. The guy doesn't get it. He's He's worried about what his grandparents think. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like their needs. What the fuck's wrong with you? You should be going, what could I have done? Is there anything I can do? What yeah. would you like? What do you need? Anything. You know what I mean? He was the, he was also the lead singer of a punk rock band for teenage girls. Oh, so he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah. Those people don't bond too, too, too deeply, I don't think. Very interesting. Uh, uh, another fact about this guy. This is still talking about uh, Louis the Thirteenth. Uh, he had a double row of teeth. He had uh, a double row of teeth, and he and was observed seldom to or never to spit or blow his nose or to sweat. That's disgusting. Yeah, odd, right? I mean, yeah. like he's got like, like shark teeth. Were they his baby teeth that never fell out that are in a second row? Well, this is coming from a. I guess it's a theory. He's not that's gay. a good theory. Can you imagine getting a blowjob from a double teeth guy? <laughs> The toothiest. The Huguenots, <laughs> they started openly revolting against central power. They staged rebellions three times in the 1620s. Then England got involved at one point. They tried to help the Huguenots defeat the French. Now, when King Charles I, he sent his favorite, have you ever heard that term? Uh, it's it's something with kings and shit. Uh, George uh, Villiers, because it sounds a little weird, right? Yeah. Uh, George I became a close friend of, of George Villiers uh, because of his dad, his dad, uh, James the First, this is Charles's first dad, uh, the first James First was into dick, like Wait, really, he was into dick. What, it says that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in August. Is this Wikipedia? It, it's it is it's no it's Wikipedia. They keep asking us for money. In other sources, yeah, citation needed. It says. <laughs> in August 1614, King James had spotted George Villiers at a hunt in Apethorpe. Uh, and Villiers was 21 at the time, and apparently he was a verified piece of ass, this guy. And it's confirmed by a quote from no less than the Bishop Godfrey Goodman. I need to see a picture. How I, long is it verified? I, well, by this description, uh, he declared him to be the handsomest bodied man in all of England. He must have looked like Kevin Brennan. He's the bishop, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what You know what Kevin Brennan would be, be great on, I think? Kevin Brennan would be great. He, he, the role he was born to play, I think, is an angry man in a wheelchair. Can you see that? In a wheelchair? Why do you want to put him in a wheelchair? I don't want to put him in it. I want him to be an yes, actor in it. you just said that. <laughs> I love the, you're, you're good at that extrapolation kind of thing. <laughs> this is what he says. 
He says, his "What li- could I do with all this extrapolating power?" I don't know, a lot of shit. His limbs were so well compacted, and his conversation so pleasing and of so sweet a disposition. This is what the bishop said about George Villiers. Now, if you ever wondered what gay—that's really—did you hear what I said? It sounds like gay seventeenth-century catcalling. Now, uh, after being spotted in the hunt, this this handsome-bodied motherfucker suddenly working for King James as a cupbearer. In 1615, what is a cupbearer cup is a guy who uh, will pour. You know, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. He he gives him wine. He, he fills up the cup of the king. A he waiter. sometimes have to taste it. You know, uh, but it's a closer, more trusted relationship than that because he's you know the fucking royalty. It's the one guy. So uh, in 1615, he became this. His new title, gentleman of the bedchamber. That's title. <laughs> Gentlemen of the bedchamber, duties of that office Was involved. Was that a male gigolo? Waiting, well, he is, uh, the duties include, yes, I'm sure it is, waiting on the king when he ate in private, ate in private, helping him to dress, guarding the bedchamber and the water closet, and providing companionship. Ooh. Now it's called being someone's bitch. Male companionship. Yes. That's, uh, so, and, and it gets better. The following year, uh, he was made he- uh, master of the king's horses. And then by 1623, he'd risen to the ranks to become the first Duke of Buckingham. Now, uh, But what about the Duke of Earl? I don't know about when, that. When did he become... There is a Duke of Earl. The Duke. I don't know. I, it's, it's mysterious because you try to figure out, like, what do these titles mean? And, and it's fucking hard. I don't know what it is. But if you have any question about what's going on in this relationship, here's a, a quote from that time. The king sold his affections to Sir George Villiers whom he would tumble and kiss as a mistress. <laughs> yes, a very handsome-bodied mistress. And here's a window into the kind of shit a 17th-century gay monarch wrote his duke. In a letter to Buckingham in 1623, the king ends with, God bless you, my sweet child and wife, and grant that ye may ever be a comfort to your dear father and husband. And Buckingham reciprocated the king's affections, writing back to James, I naturally so love your person and adore all your other parts, which are more than ever one man had. (laughs) Whoa, that is racy talk. It is. We're so far back then. And so well said. Your cock is huge. Is that comfort enough there, husband, daddy? Now, uh, gay rumors about the two were flying around the palace, and this is what is kind of interesting. King James tried to clarify to a council of his advisors. He said, you may be sure that I love the Earl of uh, Buckingham uh, more than anyone else and more than you who are here assembled. I wish to speak in my own behalf and not to have it uh, thought to be a defect. For Jesus Christ did the same, and therefore I cannot be blamed. Christ had John, and I have George. <laughs> Christ had John? John who? John is, you know, John the Baptist? John the disciple? That's not, oh, John there, the Baptist. John it was like his right-hand man. Yeah, but he didn't fuck him. I don't think. I mean, like I'm not. I'm no Bible Bible scholar, but what? I mean, they were. What book always, contains? They were always like taking baths together, <laughs> and the women weren't around. The women would be behind the scenes. It was probably more of an orgy than it was a prayer meeting. But then again, you really can't say like, uh, yeah, Jesus was banging these chicks. You know what I mean? I'm sure it happened. They just can't get it in there. That's why they it's crucified not that kind of, him. It's not that kind of book. He was getting all the pussy. Yeah, <laughs> like he's this guy. Right? Is, don't you hate like the one guy who like gets all the girls that's me though so I, <laughs> I just don't know what book has jesus fucking john in the ass right must be revelations villiers in nine years rose from cupbearer to first duke of buckingham he made the first duke of buckingham by the age of 30 i don't know what that is but apparently it's pretty good uh and then he became friends with his son etc cetera, etc cetera. now the story goes on 
and eventually the Huguenots escape, the Catholics, and uh, and that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> Police are looking for a man who masturbated in front of a woman on a D train and then fled the 59th a Street station. A man or a woman? Because I just did that half an hour ago. No way. <laughs> Here's the suspect. He's a guy in a raincoat. Wait, he, he masturbated it on a woman? He masturbated in front of a woman. Uh-huh. Right in front of her on I mean, a train. We've all seen that. But she looked. Now, the suspect exposed himself to a 30-year-old woman on a southbound train around 1035. And he left the train at 59th Street, Columbus Circle. That is a... Good you know place what the to Japanese bail. people would say? They would say, 30 years old, she should be so lucky that anybody wants to pull their dick out <laughs> in front of her. <laughs> well, that's a Christmas different society. Yeah. A passenger captured a video suspect, and the uh, police describe him as 28 to 35, 5 foot 8, 180 pounds, wearing a black baseball cap, black jacket, and hood. Uh, just basically everybody in the city. Have you seen any uptick in hate crimes? Um, Just in the news? I mean, in, in, in your day-to-day. Oh, hate crimes? Yeah. Or hate speech. You know what? My friend, when um, a couple weeks ago, my friend called me and she said that she just saw an Asian girl on the train crying. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she was a really pretty Asian girl. And, and it's very rare, by the way, that not that she'd be pretty, but that she'd be showing any emotion. <laughs> <laughs> So she's crying. She's on the train. So she's crying. And um, this was like maybe two weeks ago, right? Yeah. And she goes, uh, then this Asian guy came on the train and was like, what's the matter? Are you okay? And then she was like, no, I was just in a bar. And these like super big like white guys were like pushing me around and were calling me like racial slurs. Wow. Yeah. Like to her face. And that stuff doesn't happen to me. Mm. You know? I mean, like, why would it happen, though? I mean, like, what, what's the difference in you and her, I wonder? Um, no, I think I think she was, like, and, and it was in New York. I think when Trump became president, like, mm-hmm. all these, like, Trump supporters came out and were partying. That's what, it's, that's what she made it sound like. I think, yeah, I, I know that's, that's kind of, like, the way of interpreting it. And, like, I can't prove anything. I don't know what the fuck. I think people just say it. Uh, and and it, that becomes part of the story. It's like everybody knows that's in the air. I'll yeah. tell you, for instance, like uh, there was a guy who came into Dwayne Reed today, and when he came in, you know, there was like one of those things that came over the uh, inter- the whatever. It said, hey, uh, "You're an assistant manager there, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, where 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 are they, where are they hiring? I'll I'll be there. But there was uh, it said ID three, and he's and he heard that, and he's like. And he comes walking back, and he's like, ID3, that means shoplifting. He goes, I ain't no shoplifter. I ain't no bum. I got money. And he holds up this wad of money. He's like, I got money. I'm not going to spend it here now. Fuck you. Uh, and, and he started swearing at this Indian lady, or, or you know, I, I'm not exactly sure where she was from, but it seemed to be Middle Eastern. And, and he goes, uh, yeah, why don't you go back to your fucking country, like Trump said. <laughs> and uh, he's a black guy. And... Uh, you know, in bringing up Trump's name. Right. I do see an upsurge of minorities being racist. <laughs> really? To, to other minorities. <laughs> well, then it's empowering. <laughs> right. If you want to be a true American, you got to be as racist as the white people. Hold on a second, though. It seems it's a little cultural appropriation, though. Yeah. It's a little appropriative. <laughs> That's our thing. If you wanted to join the uh, Women's March on Washington, 
the day after President-elect uh, Donald Trump's inauguration, but can't make the trip. Well, there's a similar protest right here in New York City. The Women's March in New York City has been scheduled for the same day as the D.C. rally. That's January 21st. So if you're a total cunt, that's when you'll be here <laughs> marching around. Here's something about cocaine. How about that? A debt-ridden student blew $1.3 million on sports cars, speedboats, strippers, and cocaine after a bank error gave him uh, an unlimited overdraft. This is in Australia, actually. What the fuck? Who cares? Wannabe playboy Luke Moore. He lived the high life for two years before he was caught by cops. That's pretty cool. Treat himself to luxury holidays. Wait, like he just kept taking out money from his bank? An unlimited overdraft, yeah. And he just kept taking it out. Money that he didn't have? Yes. <laughs> he just kept spending it on Coke and speedboats. He bought him. He got an what Aston you, Martin. What would you spend it on? The money? If you had an unlimited overdraft. You know what sucks about me is I don't have good answers for shit like that. I would rather have money and just have it, you know, and just I feel safe knowing it's there. I don't have nothing to, I get everything I want. I buy everything I want. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, so I'm fine. What well, would you buy? That's a great answer. How about you? I would buy a shitload of stuff. <laughs> like what? What would you buy? Some clothing? Do you like food. clothes? I like food. Well, but yeah, I might pick up some food. Yeah. I might go to the grocery store or something. I'd probably spend it on travel, I guess. But there's nowhere that I want to go right now. I got, Hawaii would be nice to go to, I guess, again. Hell yeah. Yeah. and uh, But I don't want to go to Europe now. It just seems like it's too... Uh, no, man. Open borders and shit. There's too many rapes. Oh. <laughs> a lot of rape. A lot right. Of, you know? I guess you're saying it's easier to rape here. Because there's too much competition there? <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, I'm, excuse me. I'm an American rapist, okay? I, there's nobody there I would want to rape, I don't think. You know? I think the women here are beautiful, aren't you? It's like the Beach Boys say. Yes. I, what, what, what do the they California say? California Girls. Oh, right. You, you probably have a song based on that. Do you have something like I that? I don't. Not on, you that don't? not on that song. No. It's Kokomo? Do you have that? What, what is the wine? Do you have a, oh, Surfing USA? Oh, yeah. How'd you know? I've seen you before. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you at the strip. Listen, Masturbating every day is yeah. one of my songs. Masturbating. in USA. Oh. See, here's the thing. When people ask me, like, is it real what you did at the end of your podcast? It's like, okay, if you look at my past work, all my parody songs are about masturbation. Mm-hmm. I Get Off Alone is my version of Billy Joel's um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> It doesn't even sound the same. I Usually. know, because <laughs> the title, um, but but his song, the chorus is, I walk alone. Oh, okay. And so mine is, I get off alone. Okay. I know, it's, it's, it, made, it made no sense before. Yeah. But now I'm now explaining myself. Okay, and so like so people ask that, and, you, and they look at the body of, of work, and, and, and that it's all about right. masturbation. so you see all my songs are about, like, I bought a dildo on Amazon is one of my songs, my mm-hmm. Rivers of Babylon parody. So that's how you know this running theme in my life is a real problem. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just because you're saying it doesn't mean you're doing it. That's the thing. And and were you alone? All right, did you have the company with you? No, no, no. I was alone. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, here's what I think. I bet you did it real, maybe once. But I bet you did it <laughs> fake a bunch of times. Wow! Did you listen? <laughs> did I listen? Yeah. No. Well, then how would you even know? If you heard it, you would know it's real. Because I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense to do it real once, <laughs> just so you can say it was real, and then and do it fake a bunch of times. But you, you'll, I'm sure you're going to keep it a mystery, or keep just a, 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 asserting it's real. Well, that's why I laugh so much. 
when people ask me questions, I can dodge the question by just laughing at them. Yeah, and the thing is, people love it. They think they're hilarious. <laughs> right? There you go. Well, now you ruined it. Esther Koo. So what do you want to, uh, let's see, Koo and the Gang. That's what they should be doing, right? Yeah, you could download my podcast. It's called Koo and the Gang. And uh, you could find that, uh, you know, on the, on the computer there, online. Yeah, you got a computer, you got a phone, <laughs> download that shit. Yeah, check it out. And you're uh, going back to L.A. tomorrow, huh? Yeah, I'm going, I'm leaving town to tomorrow, so I'm going to be out all night. You could catch me. You go on the <laughs> catch me. You could catch me like, like a Pokemon. STD. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's a pleasure talking to you. I feel like I I I've got to know you better now uh, than than I have in ten years. Uh, uh, next time you come, we'll talk about better crimes. How about that? Okay. Oh, yeah. and and you know what I'd like to do is I'm gonna I, I am gonna have this uh, grape uh, drink here. You Can don't you mind, try do you? It on air? I'm gonna try it on air and yeah. tell you, give you my impression. Now, what what is this? Tell me what this is. It's a it's a grape drink. Now, what's it called? Sack sack. Sack sack. Yeah. Mmm. God damn, that's delicious. Isn't that so good? Oh my god. I mean, it's full of sugar, but there's grape pulp in there. I taste. I felt it against which, my lip. Which basically is real grape. It's small can. It's about how much of that you'd want to drink. Yeah. That well, is delicious. Four cans. Wow. Thank you very much. I'm gonna enjoy that. You know what it reminds me of? It flavor-wise, my my grandpa used to have muscadines, which is like a big grape. And uh, you didn't eat the skin because it was so thick. And we just squeeze them in your mouth. It tastes just like that. Oh, Delicious. Yeah. yeah, it takes me back to my childhood. Yeah, just that doesn't be a Well, thank you one more time, Esther Koo. Thank you for having me. Thank Patrick. you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over? Find out how to get extra content and bonus material from this and other shows. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. Check it out. Support New York City Crime Report. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. Yeah, it was so much fun. They sure they won't fucking... I, I've tried to get on that show forever. Oh, really? I, yes! What I know about that, but Joe was my roommate for a while. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes people you know too well, they don't really believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. You made me feel better. <laughs>